Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 2, Episode 276 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us as we continue with our study, focusing on the September 28th to October the 11th uh, Come Follow Me materials. This is found in 3rd Nephi 17-19, to Behold My Joy is Full. And today uh, we're going to continue through Chapter 18 from where we left off yesterday. But we'll also uh, be moving into a section talking once again about how the Saviour teaches us how to pray. Now, um, here we don't see the Saviour saying a prayer himself, although we'll be seeing that uh, later on in this section uh, again. But again, you know, we we have another example here where he's just administered the ordinance of the sacraments amongst the Nephites. And then he teaches about prayer again. And prayer has already been spoken about. And so clearly the Saviour has this Real, real need to teach these people about prayer. And if you think about the pride cycle that we were looking at recently uh, through the uh, chapters of Helaman, uh, especially, and also a bit of Third Nephi, um, we learn about perhaps, we learn that perhaps that this idea of contention, which was talked about very early in the Saviour's ministry, and also prayer are two key um, tools against this battle to become less prideful. Um, and so let's have a look at this straight away. In verse 13, we, we see um, how, you know, this kind of an impact on us. The Saviour says, uh, in, re- in reference to partaking of the sacrament worthily, but also moving into teaching about prayer, but whoso among you shall not do more or less than these are not built upon my rock, but are built upon a sandy foundation. And then he goes on and says about how those that are built on a sandy foundation will will fall when the uh, the storms of life come. Uh, Elder Quentin L. Cook said this, quote, Another sign of spiritual immaturity is sometimes apostasy, and, and sometimes apostasy is when one focuses on certain gospel principles or pursues gospel hobbies with excess zeal. Almost any virtue can be taken to excess, excess and become a vice. An example might be when one advocates additions to the word of wisdom that are not authorized by the brethren and proselytes others to adopt these interpretations. If we turn a health law or any other principle into a form of religious fanaticism, we are looking beyond the mark. Some who are not authorised want to speak for the brethren and imply that their message contains the meat the brethren would teach if they were not constrained to teach only the milk. Close quote. Uh, I think we sometimes get this. You know, we get people saying, oh, well, you know, in order to live the word of wisdom, then you need to not be doing these things as well, which are not mentioned anywhere in the word of wisdom in order to keep the Sabbath day holy then we should, you know, do these certain activities in this certain way. Uh, And if you do something else, then you're not keeping the Sabbath day holy. Um, And, you know, I think that a lot of these things that are said are are very personal commitments uh, and and things that we should do. And of course, we should be focusing on the key principles of the atonement, how we renew that promise we make at baptism when we partake of the sacrament and all these other things. These are the ways that we become stronger and and more firm on the foundation of Christ, not in making additions or telling others how to live their lives. You know, I think we we, we fall into a very dangerous category if if we start doing that. I mean, obviously, if we're giving a lesson at church and we're teaching about a, a fundamental principle of the gospel, then of course we should teach that people should live that way. But of course, we should be doing the same ourselves before we, uh, you know, extol the virtues of that. But then, you know, there are some things which just are not taught. They're just not found in the scriptures. They're just not found uh, in the teachings of living uh, living prophets and apostles. And so if not, then, you know, we don't, we don't need to advocate those things. If we have felt that we need to adopt 
certain other things into our living of gospels, uh, into our living to, to help us, then fine, we do that. An example of that is I, I personally don't, I try not to drink uh, Coca-Cola, okay? Uh, and that's not because, you know, it, I think it's part of the word of wisdom and those that do drink it are making wrong choices and are not living the word of wisdom. That is not the case at all. Although for a number of years, I, I know previously that that was kind of an unwritten, an unspoken um, you know, kind of rule that people would measure others others by. But again, it, it isn't the case. It's not in the word of wisdom. It's not something that we should not partake of that's identified in the word of wisdom. Uh, and and, it, and in fact, I, I seem to remember a talk by Elder Uckdorf where he actually says about how a problem he had once made him drink a lot of a, of a drink, of a, a, a popular soft drink. And he actually was, I think, referring to something like Coca-Cola or something like that. Um, you know, it just isn't spoken of in the word of wisdom. But of course, we can take that too far and we can judge others and focus on that that thing, which actually probably won't make much of an impact at all because it isn't in the word of wisdom. And actually, we're much better off focusing on the the true doctrines, the true principles, which will bless and sustain life, everlasting life in us, which are all related to the atonement of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Of course, you know, we should avoid the... Um, the, the substances that are referred to in, in the word of wisdom, because that is what the Lord has, has taught us. And that will keep our spirit closer to us as well. Um, yeah, for me, the whole Coca-Cola thing, it for me personally, it's just a case of, well, I know that, you know, it's not the healthiest thing to drink. And so I'm going to try and avoid that. It's not because it's, I think, a commandment to not drink it, because of course, that is not true at all. Um, and that is just one example. It's just one that I've picked out of thin air, which I know has been one that's been discussed in the past. Um, but you know, there will be other things as well. In verse 15, the Savior then moves into this discussion and further discussion of prayer. And he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye must watch and pray always, lest ye be tempted by the devil and ye be led away captive by him. Um, you know, this phrase of watching and praying always is so important. This is the thing which will help us become closer to our Savior. This is the, you know, the practice which will it really boosts our spirits. And I, I'm seeing that as I'm trying to become more diligent in my prayers. Donald W. Parry said this, quote, Praying always entails constantly being conscious of God and his plan of salvation. It consists of having a continual attitude which directs us during every waking moment of mortality, of maintaining a spiritual posture of thankfulness and reliance on the Lord, of desiring the companionship of the Holy Ghost. Brigham Young noted that to pray always is to live as we pray. I do not know any other way for the last day saints to be than for every breath to be virtually a prayer for God to direct to guide and direct his people. Every breath should virtually be a prayer that God will preserve us from sin and from the effects of sin. Close quote. Are we living in such a manner? Are we watching and praying always? Are we living our life as we would, you know, as we were as, as we were in prayer? And of course, we're not saying that we pray for every minute of the day or we pray for a number of hours every day. But what we're saying is, and what the Saviour is saying is that every action we do, every, you know, thing we, every step we take is considered uh, with, with, the, with the Lord in mind. Um, and that we, as a result of our prayers, have the spirit with us and have that spirit in our hearts as we go throughout our day. It is very hard to do, so hard, uh, when, the, when the, you know, the busyness of life takes hold once we uh, begin our day. Um, but it will help us, it will bless us, and it will sanctify us. Um, in verse 18, it says, Behold, verily, verily, I say unto you, you must watch and pray always, 
lest ye enter into temptation. Uh, for Satan desireth to have you that he may sift you as wheat. I mean, there again, he's 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 repeated the phrase "watch and pray always," um, and we have to take that into account. You know, we have to recognize that this is something the Savior desires us to really understand and to take into our lives. And also in verse twenty-one, praying your families in unto the Father always in my name, that your wives and your children may be blessed. Praying always once again, this time with our families. And such an important practice that is. Uh, Gordon B. Hinckley uh, said this about praying always with our families. Quote, I know of no single practice that will have a more salutary effect upon your lives than the practice of kneeling together as you begin and close each day. Somehow the little storms that seem to afflict every marriage are dissipated when kneeling before the Lord. You thank him for one another in the presence of one another and then together invoke his blessings upon your lives, upon your home, your loved ones and your dreams. Close quote. I think the practice of a daily prayer with our, spies, our spouse, with our family, is such an important practice. As um, you know, President Hinckley says in that quote, you know, these arguments that we may have during the day, um, difficult decisions we have during the day, become clearer, become more sanctified and uh, given to the Lord as we pray for them by word and by name. Pray for each other by name in the prayers that we have together. You know, what I, I've had a... I had a lovely experience recently when I was uh, in a prayer with someone who I was working with in my calling. Uh, and uh, I said the opening prayer, then I invited them to say the closing prayer. And um, it was lovely because they prayed for me by name. And of course, I, I've seen, I've had that experience. I've seen that happen before in prayers. And I've done that myself before in prayers. But I haven't done it for a while, maybe because of, we've been in lockdown and we just haven't physically been in each other's presence. Uh, and it's been a very different time. But they prayed for me by name and thanks the Lord for my efforts and what I do. And I, I was just blown away a little by it. I, I just really appreciated it. And I thanked them. Um, I, very, I very much thanked them for that prayer. And so, you know, the, the effects of prayers can have an impact. And the Saviour, every time he prayed, prayed for his, you know, his disciples, not by individual name, but by their name in terms of, you know, who they are and who we are. Uh, and so it's something that we should be uh, we should be able to do as well and, and try and do as often as we can. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed this study. Please do follow the, the podcast. Uh, you can join the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. If you'd like to join what you've been studying, I'd love to hear from more listeners. And of course, you can um, email uh, ldsstudysession at gmail.com if you are interested in joining in a future podcast episode yourselves. Thank you for your time. And until we meet again.